Welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers. I'm Abdullah Moli, and every week I'll be bringing you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. Happy Black History Month! Yes, it's that time again, and for the next month we'll be looking back at some of the most memorable black cartoons and TV shows. It's the last week of Black History Month, and we'll be talking cartoons as we put the Boom Crew up against Kid and Play. And we take a special look at the Men in Black cartoon, known as Men in Black the Series. So, let's get started. And uh, joining me as ever, it's producer Paul. Hey man, how's it going? I'm alright, thanks. God, this month has gone so quick. It has gone quickly, hasn't it? It's been some cracking shows. I think it's faltered slightly in this week. Um, I don't think so. Um, only only partly. I don't but, think so at all. Yeah, um, I do. Um, yeah, it's, it's 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 been it's been a good month of TV shows and cartoons and everything that goes with it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm admittedly I don't think this week is going to be as strong as uh, the other weeks, but no, there was. There was some good in in all of the shows, I will say, all of them, most of them. I don't know what you're talking. I, I saw your message about kid and play, and yeah, the episodes I watched it didn't reflect what you said at all. But we'll uh, we'll get into that in a in a bit. We're gonna start with uh, the special, so Men in Black the series. So this came out in October 1997, and uh, some of the things happening in the world. British scientists Moira Bruce and John Collinge with their colleagues independently show that the new variant form of the Creutzfeldt Jacob disease is the same disease as bovine spongiform encephalopathy, aka mad cow disease. Andy Green sets the first supersonic land speed record for the Thrust SSC team led by Richard Noble of the UK. Thrust SSC goes through the flying mile course at Black Rock Desert, Nevada, at an average speed of 1,227.95 kilometers per hour. I don't even know if I said that number right. The remains of Che Guevara are laid to rest with full military honors in a specially built mausoleum in the city of Santa Clara, Cuba where he had won the decisive battle of the Cuban Revolution 39 years before. I Know What You Did Last Summer was in the cinemas. And uh, Never Gonna Let You Go by Tina Moore was in the charts. So Men in Black, the series. So it's known as MIB, the series, or MIB, the animated series, or Men in Black, the animated series. It was an American animated TV series that originally aired on Kids WB. It was based on the 1997 blockbuster Men in Black and it continued where the film left off, though with some minor changes. Agent K remained an agent and partner to Agent J, although a Marvel Comics one-shot revealed that K was de-neuralized in an unseen case. Agent L was moved to the lab inside MIB headquarters. The headquarters itself were no longer under the ventilator building of the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, but now 
at what looked like a dis- disused area under LaGuardia Airport. The LTD from the first live-action film is reused and served as J and K's primary mode of transportation. Although in the Sonic Boom Syndrome, the LTD is turtled by Edai and K. A L L and Eileen were forced to use a temporary rental car until the LTD is repaired. The show had varied writing in its episode. Some episodes harkened back to the plot of the film and brought back characters like the Bugs and the Arquillians. Many Black, the series itself, had a long-running plot where the Many Black fought Alpha, a former Many Black chief who had previously been Agent K's friend and mentor. Eventually, Alpha had turned maverick with greed and sought to achieve immortality by assimilating rare alien body parts into his body. He returned numerous times and his appearance grew grislier each time. With the help of the Cosmic Integrator, a device that let him combine alien appendages to his own body, the basic plot formula for the Men in Black was to protect the Earth from harm, and this extended into keeping peace throughout the galaxy. Technology as well as intergalactic politics and peacekeeping played a part along with common, uh, along with common criminal activity on a science fiction level. Besides Agent K, the founding members of MIB were Agents T, H, Q, and D, who was K's first partner from the first movie. The Men in Black cartoons won a Daytime Emmy for Outstanding Sound Editing Special Class, which included Roshan Hawley, Packer Thomas, Dan Cuber, and Mark S. Perlman. Quick note about the film. Men in Black, before I pass on to you. It was uh, originally directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, produced by Walter F. Parks and Laurie MacDonald, and the script was written by Ed Solomon. It was loosely based on the Men in Black comic book series created by Lowell Cunningham and Sandy Carruthers, and the film stars Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith as two agents of a secret organization called The Men in Black who supervise extraterrestrial life forms who live on Earth and hide their existence from ordinary humans. The film featured the creature effects and makeup of Rick Baker and visual effects by Industrial Light and Music. It was released in July 1997 by Columbia Pictures and grossed over $589.3 million worldwide against a $90 million budget, becoming the Becoming the year's third highest grossing film, it received positive reviews with critics praising its humor, action sequences, Jones and Smith's performances effective, respectively, special effects, and Danny Elfman's musical score. The film received three Academy Award nominations, Best Art Direction, Best Original Score, and Best Makeup, winning the latter award. And the film spawned two sequels, Men in Black 2 and Men in Black 3, and a spin-off film, Men in Black International, in 2019. Before we go on to the cartoon, I know how much you liked Men in Black, right? Yeah, I absolutely loved Men in Black. I thought it was okay. I think the best thing about Men in Black was the song. Yeah, the song was great, but I don't know. There were so many things that, like, I, I don't think I'd seen a film up to that point that was 
serious and funny at the same time. Like it had some like amazing comedy, just like you know ripping through the script, but it didn't lose any of its um like seriousness in the plot, if you see what I mean. So it didn't like you didn't lose that suspension of disbelief, even though it was funny and kind of like taking a make half the time. Um, look, I I'm not gonna say it's a bad film. I'm not even gonna say I remember the film, but I could probably recite the script. <laughs> I watched it a lot when we were kids. Even the second, the second one was okay, but the third one was quite. No, Men in Black Two was terrible. It was okay. They left it at Men in Black One. Yeah, but the third one was better than the second one for sure. The third one was actually okay. I Maybe saw it was the... one of those where they were so bad, they were so mad about the second one, they thought, oh, "I've got to do a third one." Yeah, I mean the, the the twist you saw coming a mile off, but it was, but it was good. It was a good delivery, and I liked it. But yeah, I think Men in Black One, and it's just it's like how original it was at the time because i was watching a um i was watching something um an interview with will smith and he said he very nearly turned it down because oh because we were talking about it, didn't we because of independence day um we were talking about it for some reason i can't remember why but anyway so um yeah after independence day he said i don't want to do another alien film because i don't want to become the alien guy and then someone talked him around into it and said like this is going to be good and then he read the script and was like yeah this is okay <laughs> i mean I was listening to the song the other day. God, it held up well, man. Yeah, and you sent me that uh, little clip of... Um, oh, stars, stars in, in their, their eyes. eyes. Yes, let's talk about that. Lee Wolf. Yo. <laughs> Do you know what? That was incredible. Because I was a bit like... I was a bit like... Um, when he came on, because he's like, oh, people say I look like this guy. And, you know, I was like, you don't really look like him. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't really look and like then Will Smith. When he put the suit on and the glasses, I was like, all right. Okay, like... What's mad is I remember it. I, I I remember that episode. Not that yeah, with him on it and performing the Men in Black and with the alien coming out. I remember that. So I don't remember the episode, but I obviously remember the show. I used to watch it with yeah, my stars in their eyes. The yeah, Saturday but, um... nights. That was stars in their eyes. Yeah, <laughs> loved. That was our joint growing up. But that performance was incredible. I thought it right? was, and I, I remember messaging you saying like. This guy, uh, look, you can't talk about it because <laughs> this guy, this guy was a um, uh, he was a fashion fashion designer, designer at uni, fashion designer. He could sing, and this guy was funny. I was like, like I was like, come on, man! Like, leave some, <laughs> leave some. He for was the rest he of was us. doing the rapping, the dancing, the alien. I don't even know how they, they pulled that off for him. They 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 made his performance look like a million bucks. And what I also remember. Was that you know? Remember, stars in the rise is that you have the kind of original heats. If you win that, then you go to the grand final. He made it to the grand final. Oh, really? I'm not surprised. That was really good. I remember, like on stars and rise initially. So you'd have the the shows or whatever. The audience will vote for who their favorite was. Whoever got the most votes will go to the grand final. And the grand final that is when they will open it up to the. Um, open it up to the general public and yeah he made it all the way to the final but he lost to ian moore who sang lady in red don't you know lady in red by krista burr do you know who krista burr is no should i you have to know lady it's about princess diana dude i'm not even white and i even know this song (laughs) wow it's like the whitest song ever 
I'll, but, um, I'll check it out. No, like this was like a, a seminal TV moment. I mean, look, Christopher Berg wasn't the biggest star in the world, right? But this guy, Ian Moore, comes on, sings this Lady in Red song, and probably brings Christopher Berg's career back from the brink. And I remember, like, because what they did after the grand final was that they did a champion of champions. So from, like, 1989 until, like, the year 2000, they brought back all the grand final winners. And this Christopher Berg guy won. And he managed to sing with actual Christopher Berg, which was such a, a cool TV moment. I remember, like, as kids, like, obviously, we're watching. We were like, you know, we want... We want the black person to win. So I remember like as a kid going, oh, why is this Ian Moore guy winning? And I watched his performance yesterday of Lady Red. I was like, he's a really good... Because I think the aim of Stars in the Rise is that they had to try and be as much like the singer as possible. It's like glorified karaoke, but on a much bigger and... That's exactly what it is. It's glorified karaoke, but it's yeah. good as well. Yeah, oh god, I loved it. Matthew Kelly as well. You know, I watched him in theatre live. He was in a, a production of of Mice and Men. He played Lenny. He was very good. He was very good as Lenny. I loved that book um, for history. Uh, not for sorry for English. Um, it's one of the only books in in English that I actually you know really enjoyed yeah. studying. Um, Broke my heart, man. Broke my heart. When um, obviously they wanted to get the the land on their farm, and in the end, spoiler alert, kids, George shoots his best friend. Anyway, we digress, and obviously, um, you know, would be remiss without saying the Men in Black song was a, a sample of the uh, brilliant Forget Me Nots by Patrice Russian. And it's funny because the cartoon used the instrumental of that song of um, Forget Me Nots in the closing credits of the Men in Black cartoon. Oh, really? I didn't know. Yeah. So let's talk about the cartoon then. I mean, you you love uh, Men in Black so much. Yeah, so one thing that's always kind of grated on me um, is, you know, when they... So they, they get the same actors... So, so the same characters, but they don't use the same actors. And it sounds different, and it kind of, like bugs me um what were you expecting tommy lee jones and will smith no i wasn't but all, all, all i'm saying is when i was a kid this um this thing used to bug me that sort of like uh switching it up because i never used to understand why you know they couldn't afford to hire tommy lee jones and and will smith to do the voices of the entire cartoons you know um but that being said um i you know obviously i'm watching this with much more grown-up head on me and I, I definitely watched this as a kid, and even as an adult, I absolutely loved this cartoon. I thought it was great. Like it had, I mean, I I like the whole alien thing. I like the whole space thing and the secret kind of, um, you know, uh, not secret society because that sounds a bit Illuminati, but you know, like secret organization to protect the world thing. I love the whole like premise of it, and yeah, I, it's a it's a it's a thing that I really enjoyed. I remember this as a kid, like he used to be on CITV, middle of the afternoon. And I remember that I never really got into it as a kid. So this was right up my street as a kid, right up my street. 
when I see Men in Black, I'll be like, mm, let's see what's on CBBC. <laughs> this is like kind of the channel hopping phase where you're like, oh, okay, I don't want to watch this. So you um, you flick on the other channel. If there's nothing on CBBC, you go on CITV and so on and so forth. But I think by then I was sort of... Because obviously I started at CITV and then kind of slowly drifted towards CBBC. And yeah, Men in Black was like the embodiment of me just going, yeah, no, I'm not going to watch this. I think it's because we... Because um, I remember the, there's a guy called um, Philip that I used to um, be like best mates with when I was at school, and I think his parent, his I think he got the, he first got the um, the video, um, not even a DVD, the video of uh, Men in Black when when it when it first came out on on video. And we watched it together on, on his birthday, I think, and then ever since then it was everything Men in Black was like super cool. We had the video games, everything. Good stuff. So let's. Uh... Let's go into episodes and uh, the pilot, the long goodbye syndrome. Yeah, was this one about the shellfish? Yeah, so it's they. There's loads of little bits that are exactly like the movie in this, and they throw back to it like a lot in this episode, like with um, Frank and the the newspapers and um, the bench and stuff like that, where he first was like, "Oh my god, should I be Men in Black or no?" Kind of red pill blue pill kind of moment um anyway so it starts off and k and j are on a are kind of get called to a mission there's like firefighters <laughs> rescuing a cat up a tree um and then but it's obviously like an extraterrestrial moment and and jay's like oh don't worry i've got this and he climbs up the tree thinking like the alien is the cat but it's actually the tree and the tree gets hold of him and kind of like throws him around and um the tree monster kind of runs off and then gets shot by k and then they go to the newspaper stands, you know, kind of like get their leads kind of thing. And this is where Frank Frank's there with the the the, the um is he a pug? I guess he's a pug, right? It's a little pug dog, but he's actually an, an alien and talks with an English voice. It talks in English, but obviously American accent. Um, <clears throat> and they see that all oh, these shellfish things have come to invade the world, and they go into the into the sewer to have a look at them because that's how some old cover-up story was said oh they, there's loads of shellfish got in the sewers and it messed things up there's actually aliens they're called scraldians scraldians oh yeah by the way um actually no this one's not gonna be too bad with names but the um one of the shows later this on, is your joint ones. you should know names this is your joint there's no excuse this is men in black this is your thing so um so there's a big kind of alien in the sewer and it's like oh my god i'm gonna get you and then jay so k shoots him with this like little capture device thing but then he kind of uh gets it off jay's also got one of these things but he accidentally shoots himself in the face of it so it's kind of like got him in the face he managed to get it off and then he uses the you know the classic noisy cricket to shoot this little alien so it's big alien and it kills it it didn't kill the enemy, so it hits the alien. Then, at some point, they get pushed onto the beach, and it kind of cracks open its shell and kind of gets goes up to um, Jay and kind of marks him with this like stuff. And all of the aliens are kind of like uh, um, what's the word? Um, they're linked like telepathically to each other. So when if one person says this guy's, you know, we need to kill this guy all of the whole race knows to kill that guy. Then all the people on the beach that see this happen get flashied. 
classic flashy thing. Um, um, Denuralizer. Was it Neuralizer? Yeah, Denuralizer. Um, uh, so, so Jay's been permanently marked by it, and the whole planet's now after him. L wants to take Jay's place. <laughs> I, I quite like this thing. Um, yeah, I liked it when everyone's like going, oh, um, the twin aliens, they're paying tribute to him. Everyone's going, oh, he's nice knowing you yeah so it's basically they're d- doing his obituary and and he's still alive and they're like saying uh, you know like sending condolences and everything like that um and but also everyone's kind of like fishing for his job because he's got like the sweet sweet like sought after job and there's a lady called l she comes over and she wants um uh she wants to tell so she wants a job and then she's like, how do you, how do you know about this? And it was, you know, I can't remember the name of them, but you know, the aliens that are always drinking coffee. I loved them and they were the... great. <laughs> and it was them that was kind of like, uh, spreading the gossip around the, um, yeah. In the kitchen. Uh, so another, a shell thing breaks into MIB and attacks Jay. Uh, Jay is sad about being wanted by an entire planet. Uh, and then he has a hot dog, but the hot dog man's an alien and he's actually attacking him. Um, gets jumped by loads of them. K was like freezing them one by one. And they drive off in the, in the you know, in the classic car. But there's somehow monster, one of the, he's saying monster, but I mean alien. The alien gets in the car in the grill and um, Jay accidentally pushes the button that makes the car go into like hyperdrive and it blows up after hitting a wall. And then a massive shellfish monster thing comes out from the sewer. Um, it's it's like a spaceship kind of thing for the um, shellfish, and like the royalty people come out of it. Um, and they're like, "Oh, the the twins, the twins, which is these like alien." It's like, um, what's the word? Who's the one in like um, James Bond? That's like kind of you know head of tech and mission support kind of thing. You know, IQ Q. Yeah, so Q, so the twins are like Q, and they like they message him saying like, um, "Oh, this is how to kind of defeat him," but you can't hear what they're saying because they're speaking alien. And he blows his nose on a on a hanky, and then like shows it to them. And apparently, that's like the rudest thing you can ever do to these people because you've like I can't remember the word he used, but he he showed the showed him the hanky. Anyway, it's got a snot or whatever on it. And now K is the one that they want to take. So they take him away, and Jay's safe now. He's like, fine. He's, so he takes him away. He's like, oh, don't worry. Look after the car. Kind of throws him the keys, and he goes into the um, um, into the spaceship, and they try and make him soup. Um, and it turns out it was, do you know, I don't know what the the name of the alien is, but do you know the little alien in Men in Black the movie where it's inside the guy's head? So this guy's ends head ends up and it's and it's kind of like the traditional alieny looking creature but it's like literally a couple of inches tall and he kind of takes off and flies off in his little spaceship away from these people and then k comes in is like oh i'm not really dead here's the i need the keys back from the car and that was the end of the first episode yeah that was yeah it was actually a pretty fun episode i watched one called the sardines and ice cream syndrome so they're discovering that important monuments in New York are going missing and they're wondering what's going on. And basically there's a crook and Jay is um, trying to chase him, but he doesn't get very far and is very successful. 
and it turns out that Jay isn't feeling too well because he's sneezing too much. And the doctor's saying that Jay has a common cold and saying, look, take two of those tablets. You'll be bright as rain. Jay ends up taking the wrong tablets and he swallows a bubble lot egg and he is going to have a baby. So that what he ate was like a, a baby, like an alien thing. And yeah, so I wrote alien with a New York or New Jersey accent comes in with and it turns out to be the bubble eggs mum. And Jay's feeling the effects of pregnancy, so he's slowing down. He's he can't necessarily do all the heavy lifting and all of the work. And after chasing the aliens who um who are called Femex. So F M E K's Femex, something like that. They're they're the ones who are just shrinking everything and then taking it to their own home planet. So they're chasing all these aliens around. Jay goes into labor and Agent L is missing in Coney Island because that's where they have to go to try and find all of the monuments again. So they're going to get the real monuments back. And Jay has the baby and the bubble mum is very grateful, ends up calling the baby J-Lot. So that was quite a, a cute moment. And... Yeah, I mean, that's all the, the notes I got for that episode. Again, it was just a case of aliens coming and... Yeah, I mean, it's pretty standard, but I like, you know, there's there's a lot of time and effort put into the effects and I quite like that. And I, it's, it's cool. It's like, it's just such a cool cartoon and I I appreciate it. Um, Right, so I watched Endgame Part 1 and I was halfway through Part 2, but I got waylaid. So, you, can um... do, you can do Part 1 and then I'll do Part 2. Cool. So, um, aliens invade the Earth, <laughs> like a standard. Um, and it's kind of going to the UN and said, like, guys, we are going to take over the Earth, but we don't want to fight about it. So, if you want to give up, great, we won't fight. Um, and then MIB show up and they're like, right, you're not going to get the Earth and start shooting them up. And it's a hologram, so it goes kind of straight through them. And it's like, your, your violence is duly noted. Yeah, and he go, kind of goes up in his little um, beam thing. Um, I'm not sure if you ever played the video games Metal Gear Solid, but I think one of the guys from the White House is from there. Um, so the president, um, there's a woman president in this episode, and um, they decide, that, I think I'm missing something, but they, so they decide that they've got to let the cat out of the bags, so to speak. So they need to go to the president of the United States and say, by the way, there's a secret thing, and also we need all of your military might. Um, no other president knew except for Richard Nixon because he could. He was really good at keeping a secret. I wrote that down, and also I wrote that the little yellow aliens they love coffee so much, and they're like, "Oh, what does DC stand for? Decaf." <laughs> and then they, yeah, so they try and go to the um, they they go to uh, Washington DC to. Uh, make sure that all the coffee's not going to be decaf or something like that. And they think that they think the Capitol building is called the Cappuccino building. So and then so Jay, so the president goes out of the room and Jay sits on kind of like the you know the Oval Office chair. And then the red phone rings and it's the the bad alien. I don't remember his name, but it's a bad alien guy. And he's like, oh Jay. And then he's like, oh what are you doing? Oh that's Alpha, Alpha Romeo. Oh yeah, I wrote it down Alpha the bad alien. Um, 
apart from I typoed it, and it says Aloha. Uh, so Frank has puppies, and he secretly loves them, but he pretends not to love them. And J and K go in the into like an elevator, and it rockets them to the space station. Um, the invasion begins, and they've managed to get the to fight because the president agrees you can have all of the military military might of the US. And the fighter pilots are kind of like dogfighting aliens. This is kind of like in um, Independence Day bit where, you know, everyone's kind of like dogfighting each other. Um, X and a girl are fighting, but have to eject. Oh, so X and L, I must be X and L, are fighting each other. Uh, Sorry, fighting in like MIB jet, but they get shot down and have to eject. Um, Jay comes, Jay and K come back down, but I didn't see why they had to come back down to Earth because they were kind of like in the space station doing a like Star Wars episode four kind of like shoot all the baddies down kind of thing. Um, Fred, Frank is like deciding he's going to go and he's going to take the puppies with him. And then one of them runs off and he has to go and rescue him, but he gets trapped in a building. Um, the aliens start attacking the MIB headquarters and they. The, the MIB has this kind of like shield that goes over the top of them and it's like um, this will protect against anything but what they didn't realise is Alpha actually helped build that and he knows that there's a flaw in it and basically he does this again Independence Day style beam thing and it flattens the entire headquarters um, then it's episode 2 and I only got to the bit where they're setting up inside the baseball stadium Frank's inside the building and he maybe has broken his leg and that's what I got to Okay, so one note I wrote about the little yellow aliens. Yeah, I wrote that they thought the Capitol building was cappuccino building. No decaffeination without representation. And give me French roast or give me death. (laughs) I like that. And yeah, I wrote that um, aliens are meeting with the general at the Pentagon and they're providing weapons. And... Yeah, so the invasion has begun. Is better than the foxes in the hen house because I like how Agent um, Agent X, the alien guy, he's like, "Oh, your human military codes don't work. What the hell is fox in the hen house? Why don't you just say it's begun?" Yeah, I like that. I thought, yeah, I thought you kind of have a point there. They are quite dumb. Yep, and the boss calls for Code Fourteen after the MIB HQ was blown up. And they end up in their second base, which is a baseball field. And yeah, so the yellow aliens are drinking coffee in the Capitol building. They've somehow found coffee. And they're using the Declaration of Independence as paper towels. Yeah, they're mopping it up. (laughs) And they crash the meeting and they want to negotiate. I think it's a Congress. I think they crash Congress and they want to negotiate. President is going to the Pentagon to try and lead the attack as the spaceships are heading towards the Pentagon. And then she talks about the Staten Island project. So there's warheads under Staten Island. If you know where that is. I don't know where that is, but is that a real is that a real thing as well? Staten Island, yeah. It's one of the five boroughs of Brooklyn. I'm not five boroughs, but five, ugh, five boroughs of New York. So there's Staten Island, Brooklyn. Manhattan, Queens, and the Bronx. I, I knew like four of those. Five boroughs of uh, New York, yeah. I've been to all of them except for Bronx and the que- and Queens, which is probably two of the ones. Well, because I stayed in Brooklyn. Manhattan is where everything is, pretty much. 
I accidentally ended up on Staten Island because I took a wrong ferry when I was coming back from the Statue of Liberty. And Bronx and Queens, I sort of ran out of time because they were quite further out. Then, uh, yeah, because I m- main things were all in Manhattan. And obviously, I was staying in Brooklyn, so I didn't really need to, even though I wanted to and I should have. And so we find out that the um, okay, so XNL are trying to get back, but and they obviously take a hitchhike, and X has to uh, be in there with a pig, and so he's like, I can't stand the smell. And then obviously the guy who's hitchhiking them was like, Ah, alien, get out of my car, sort of thing. We find out that the thirtieth amendment was written, so it's now the United States of Coffee is the name of the country, and the national anthem is Star Spangled Sumatra. I don't know if that was a and yeah, the in the constitution, life, liberty, and the pursuit of Mocha Java is written in the constitution. So there's another um alien that alpha teams up with called vangus and he's all about just he just wants to scorch the earth and destroy it and leave everything in destruction but alpha wants to rule so obviously he doesn't want to destroy it because what if you destroy the world what are you going to rule and so obviously he's like to vangus Look, you can't make an omelette without breaking some eggs. And obviously, Vangus takes it in the wrong way. He's going, yeah, I'm going to break some eggs and then I'm going to make some omelettes. And so Alpha now has to work with J and K to prevent the planets blowing up. And because they end up saving the day and they end up saving everything, they see, oh, you know what? Maybe there's no need for a Men in Black. And then therefore, ah, maybe there is. And so they're doing this whole address to the entire world. And they're going, ladies and gentlemen, what you saw today was shoot the laser beam to the whole TV and everybody forgets. And so they go to the destruction site of uh, MIBHQ and they decide to rebuild it. And that's how that ended. It was great. I like. I, I enjoyed the. Uh, I enjoyed this episode actually, to be honest. And uh, the actual show as a, as a whole, I thought was actually really great. Fair, yeah, fair enough. I mean, like I said, I didn't like it as a kid. I liked it a hell of a lot more now than I did as a, a kid. But no, this wasn't. This wasn't bad at all. This was. This was actually pretty good. So uh, they actually did a good job with the uh, the cartoon. So uh, there you go. Right, head-to-head time. It's been a minute since we've done head-to-heads, isn't it? It's been a while, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we're going to start with Kid and Play. And this show came out in September 1990. And uh, some of the things happening in the world. The premier of North Korea, Yon Hyong muk meets with the president of South Korea, Ro Tae-woo, which was the highest level contact between leaders of the two Koreas since 1945. The two German states and the four powers sign the treaty on the final settlement with respect to Germany in Moscow, paving the way for German reunification. Marvin Gaye gets a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Goodfellas was in the cinemas. And Black Cat by Janet Jackson was in the charts. 
So, Kid and Play, this was an animated cartoon series based on the real-life hip-hop duo Kid and Play. And on the show, Kid and Play were portrayed as teenagers, but their recording careers remained the same as in real life, as did their character traits. The production was by Marvel Productions and Saban Entertainment. The real Kid and Play appeared in live-action wraparounds of the cartoon, but voice actors took over for the animated versions of the duo. The show stressed positive role models, teaching children how to get along with each other and stay out of trouble. Akin to the house party films, Play was less responsible member of the duo, cooking up get-rich-quick schemes, while Kid, the more responsible member, would usually be made to clean up messes. Oftentimes, the issue would be resolved by their character's girlfriends, or sometimes by an elderly jazz musician who wore a blue beret, and was aptly named Old Blue, and the lessons ranged from serious to light affair. One of the less serious episodes dealt with Kid's father under the impression that hip-hop is bad and Kid not having the means to put it in a positive light. So Old Blue offers to help by sending Kid on a trip back in time to the era of jazz and the 1920s speakeasies to help better understand its roots. And Marvel Comics published a tie-in comic book, which ran for nine issues in 1992. The series was created by John Semper Jr. and Cynthia Friedlob, who also served as the show's runners and head writers. They would later go on to write Kid and Play's third live-action feature, Class Act, for Warner Brothers. Semper would later produce and be the head writer for Spider-Man the Animated Series for Marvel Films Animation. Quick note on Kid and Play. So they were an American hip-hop duo from New York City, and they were popular in the late 80s and early 90s. The duo were composed of Christopher Reed, who was Kid, and Christopher Martin, who was Play. Or if you want, Christopher Reed was the guy with the big afro, and Christopher Martin, Play, was the other guy. And they would work alongside their DJ, Mark, or... Oh, so they would work alongside their DJ, Mark... Yeah, DJ Wiz. He's known as Mark Eastman. And the pair met while performing in rival high school groups, the Turnout Brothers and the Super Lovers, and initially formed their duo under the name The Fresh Force Crew. In 1986, She's a Skeezer and Rock Me were recorded. And by 1987, they changed their name to Kid and Play. They recorded three albums together between 1988 and 1991. So Too Hype in 19, 1988, Kid and Play's Funhouse in 1990, and Face the Nation in 1991. Some of the group's most successful singles were 1989's Rolling with Kid and Play, which reached number 11 on the Billboard R&B singles charts, and Funhouse which was number one on the Billboard Rap Singles Charts and Ain't Gonna Hurt Nobody, which was another number one rap hit. And the group's stage show highlighted their team-friendly personalities and dances such as their trademark, the kickstep. And their visual trademark was the high-top fade haircut. Kid's visual trademark, yeah, was his high-top fade haircut, which stood 10 inches high at its peak. And... Play would regularly wear eight ball jackets. So, why did you hate this show so much? 
See, I can't believe it had this many accolades. And I was like, I really respect that they did so much. Um, but the show was rubbish. I the 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 audio levels were all over the place. Um I didn't have a clue what was going on half the time. Um I was I was clawing my way all through the whole one episode I watched of this because I couldn't face another one. Really? I could I I just couldn't watch another episode of this show. Um it was I I haven't had a show, a show that's, that's like taken it out of me that much for a long time. Um no, but why was, though? Why? Um it was all over the place. This show was the 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 dialogue was like actually all over the place. I couldn't hear the music was too high for the for the for the dialogue. Is um, that their fault? Well, yeah, of course it is. It's production's fault. Or was it the YouTube's fault? If there was something wrong with the audio? Nah, because it was the levels between the two things that was uh, unbalanced. Um, I mean, Saban Entertainment were quite prevalent again we might hear that name a lot during this uh doing this pod yeah i mean i just didn't like the pod I, I didn't like the um the show at all um and it was yeah it was well, there wasn't much for me to like about it i mean obviously i'm not into to to hip-hop music anyway um so that's had you heard of kid and play no, not at all. I mean, I'd heard of them, and obviously by looking at them, going, "Oh, okay, the big one." Yeah, I mean, the haircuts were incredible. Let's not take that. <laughs> like, um, I mean, because I, I saw your message where you were like, "Oh, this is a tough watch." I was like, "This is not a tough watch at all." I mean, I do understand what you're saying about there not necessarily being a, a rhyme or reason, but. In terms of it being a difficult watch, I remember. I remember. So I remembered something I was going to say. It's like it shouldn't be a cartoon. It's like it should all be live action, and I think that's when it kind of confused me. Like this says no business being a cartoon. Um, you know, they don't do anything out of worldly cartoony. Um, to be honest, and it could have quite easily been a live action thing and been. And then I would have kind of known what it was meant to be, if you see what I mean. I don't agree that it was a tough watch. I thought it was perfectly fine to watch. Um, And there was, I'll talk about stuff that I watched that I really liked. There were some very, very endearing moments about this show. And we'll obviously talk about that when we talk about episodes. But in terms, yeah, in a way, I, 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 I do kind of see it. But and obviously it wasn't good enough to see out the year because it got cancelled in December of that year. Oh, really? So, uh, so it made from October to December. September to December, yeah. So it didn't, it didn't, it didn't necessarily, yeah, it didn't necessarily see the end of the year. Which okay, whatever makes sense, I guess. Obviously, there's a lot of competition, and if you're not gonna, you're not gonna hit the ground running, then uh, you won't. You won't last, but um, it was another one of these popular, um, you know, kind of popular groups that were doing um moral lessons as well. Like there was like um, yeah, it was you know it seemed like quite a thing to have like popular groups like this doing moral moral lessons. Right, should we talk about episodes? 
or in your case, episode? Um, so I don't know what episode this was. Oh, this is called Play's Place. Oh, yeah, Play's Place. That makes sense. Um, so uh, Play asked Marika out. I think Marika's the white girl, right? Marika was the one that wasn't black. Um, <laughs> so she asked her out and um, he gets basically she tells him to do one. Um, and Wiz the DJ is pretending to DJ and... Because he doesn't have his equipment, so he's air scratching. Yeah, and he's kind of like doing it so well that he's convincing all the others that it's like the noises are coming out and it's like goes into this like fantasy sequence and into this like weird trip thing. And I like the kids dancing in the beginning though. What kids uh, dancing? That's how it kind of starts where they're doing their little practice routine and whatnot. And then that's when uh, Leela comes in and he's trying to ask Marika out. Because it starts with them doing the Roger Rabbit dance. That's what it's known as. It's called the Roger Rabbit. It's like a classic hip-hop dance move. I might have to look that up because I, d- <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. And then, yeah, they're all dancing and... Yeah. Um, the, the the moral of the story of that bit, not moral, but the, he says, if you believe it, you can make everyone else believe it as well. Yeah. Um, and then, so, but play takes that the wrong way. So what he was saying is like, you know, if you believe it in your heart, then it's easy to kind of think. But play was like, that's a good idea. I'm just going to fake it. Um, so he, what he does is he like prints all these leaflets out and puts the word out that they've got a, a gig at the local like club that's, you know, the, the, the exclusive club, um, the, the place to play kind of thing. And it turns out that he was just pretending about it just to go out of Marika. And Marika like comes up to him and says, Hey, like, um, play, I just want to say, and he goes, I don't want to make you beg. The answer is yes. And he's like, Oh, brilliant. You can, we can be the backup singers in your band. And he thought he was going to, she was going to ask him out. And there was a rival rap gang who want to kill, kill kid and play. They're called Mean machine. And they're literally like describing all these ways where they're actually going to kill them. Not even like, um, you know, foil their plans or humiliate. I think they wanted or... to kill them. No, they literally say how they were going to kill them. It's quite. I, I wrote it down because I was a bit like, "That's a bit much." <laughs> um, and so they go to Yo-Yos to beg for a gig. Oh, because he, he goes in there saying, "Oh, you know, I'm going to go and use my charm and do this and do that." And then it shows the code. He goes, "Please, please give me a." Gig. Um. Anyway, they get booted out, and that's when they go to see um Old Blue who's a sax player, plays jazz, used to be a, a big deal, but now he's the club that he played in is closed. And I wrote down what he said. So he tells them that, yeah, he's like, time that seems so important today may not be after time has had its way. I mean, it's, it's true as well. Like, if, And if you look back to the things that you're you know, thinking about in school and whatever, you're thinking, what was I really... Like, you know, even if it's like... Um, uh, you know, like having to have the latest shoes or, you know, whatever it is um, that you that causes you to be popular or unpopular at school now, it's like, I, I couldn't care less, to be honest. In fact, the less people talk to me at school, the better. Um, um, anyway, so... Uh, so play decides... he so Play's quite good at getting the wrong end of the stick when there's a moral lesson. And what play got the message from old blue was, Oh, that's a good idea. I will play. <laughs> I'll get my own club. And there's a club over there that's closed. So I'm going to have that club. Um, 
and it turns out that this place is actually condemned. That's why it's closed. And so it's like structurally unsound. Um, and he calls it Place Place, hence the name of the episode. And Mean Machines see the condemned sign and they call the fire brigade to like come in and shut this place down. And meanwhile, all the, you know, girls are back up dancing. Everyone's dancing. Everyone's having a great time. But the building starts to fall, ap- fall apart. Everyone runs away. And then F- Jazzy runs into Mean Machine, but Phoebe likes him who's a member of the Mean Machine, so she's kind of like, likes the goody kind of thing, and she's not meant to. Everyone runs off, but Mean Machine, for some reason, run into the building. Uh, the fire brigade arrive, and again, for some reason, starts spraying the spraying it with water, uh, which collapses the building. Um, everyone's out of pocket, but Blue tells them off. Um, Place says, I'll never lie again. It's okay, but it's okay, because he apologised. Um... Blue plays the sax. Kid and play were the last act to play in the club, and they're happy about the fact that they were, you know, they were. They've got this like their name is written down in history because they were the last people to, like, last people to play in this particular venue. And he's happy because he can tell Marika that, and hopefully they'll go out. And then they go into the like the live action bit, and then they start chatting up this woman. And I was like, I don't, I just don't get this show. Um, um. Anyway, yeah. So that's the end of the one and only episode that I could convince myself to watch. Okay, I watched two more. I watched an episode called Tap to the Rap. So the live action bit starts with a girl. She's doing a protest. And her protest is that hip hop is not very friendly to the girls. I was thinking, hmm, maybe she has a point. So she's just doing a little silent protest. And they're going, oh, so they're saying, oh, you know, that's and obviously Kino Player is saying that's not necessarily true. You could be a girl, or you could be a, a rapper, or you can do whatever you like. And so it goes into the it goes into the actual cartoon, and Kid is basically telling Play that there's to be a top DJ that's going to be scouting, and there could be a gig in there for Kid and Play. Play's Godfather, um, Tibbs. He's called Tibbs, and he's coming to stay. And because obviously I think his house is um, being renovated or whatever. And he's saying, oh, I'm going to live with one of my kids, but I don't know which one. And Play wants, Play's mum wants him to take his godfather to the pharmacy to get his medicine. But he's like, oh, I can't. I'm too busy. I've got to go and, you know, do this concert. And okay. And then Godfather's basically going, "Um, it's all right. I'll go on my own. I'm just an old man. I'm going to get in everyone's way. And players are like, all right, all right, fine. I'll take you. And so Godfather keeps telling the same stories. And so they're waiting for him in the pharmacy. And they're all like, oh, he's taking forever. What's going on? And they're like, they go to the pharmacy and they finds out that he leaves through the back door. And everyone's getting worried. And so... Play finds his Godfather in the park. And he accidentally ends up saving someone from getting robbed. And the person who get who was about to get robbed goes, oh, I'm very, very grateful, play. And Godfather goes, okay, no, no. He goes, oh, don't take the money. He goes, he doesn't want the money. He was being nice for the sake of being nice. And obviously the old guys are, oh, cool, thanks. I'm going to keep my money, but I appreciate you. And obviously play was like, uh, I could have done with that money. And... Godfather's like, oh, let me teach you some of the old dance moves. And then obviously they're like, oh, come on, man. We don't want to we don't want to learn that old stuff. And so 
they're like um they go into some kind of youth center or a rec center and godfather tibbs is dancing with the girls they're enjoying it they're having a lot of fun and then obviously they're like look we can't we have to take him back home but he's locked out and so they have to bring him to the concert and so the godfather's like oh let me help you guys you guys are lame let me help you all with your performance and obviously they're like oh we don't want to and kid and plays like you know what they and they're off to go see the manager to see if they can perform at the gig and the guy that um play saved from getting robbed it turns out that his name was eddie and he's in charge of the club and he goes oh as a return of the favor i'm gonna let you guys perform and so godfather he's trying to dress up and do his own performance but plays like look we don't want you to crash our performance you know your 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 style is old kind of like go away and godfather he runs into blue and obviously blue is telling him look you had your time your time is up you know it's, it's now time for the kids to do their thing and so blue he shows godfather tibbs uh, a care facility and he goes look this is a place where old people like you and I, we can have company. We can just live out the rest of our days here. You ain't got to worry about anything else. All you need to worry about is people here and you can just kind of relax and people will appreciate you here more than they will outside. And obviously we find out that he was Tapman Tibbs and he used to be very, very famous. And obviously all the old people are like, oh my God, it's Tapman Tibbs. Why don't you perform for us? And Kid and Play perform, and Tommy is like, he's like the stage manager or whatever. He goes, oh, you guys are really good. I heard you guys know Tapman Tibbs. And so they're like, if you can find him for us. And then obviously Kid and Play and all the others, they go to the care home. And Play apologizes to him going, look, I'm sorry. I kind of threw you out. And obviously he's like, look, apology accepted. But he goes, you guys, I've had my time. It's your time. He goes, I'm just going to be here in this uh, care facility chilling. And if you guys want advice, then queue up and I'm um, going to give you all the advice that you need. And so it ends like that. And then the girl is still protesting. And then Kid and Player goes, OK, let me bring out my friend. And it's MC Light. And she comes out and she's going to the girl. Oh, hey, I heard you said that hip hop can't be for girls and all that thing. And. Obviously, the girl's really happy. She's like, oh, my God, you're MC Light. You're the coolest person ever. And they kind of walk off and go, right, all's well, that ends well. And the last episode I watched was called Say It, Don't Spray It. And I thought this episode was... the Some of the stuff in this episode was just so, so good. Um, So, again, random live action. DJ Wiz is working out at night and saying how cool it is to work out at night. And I definitely agree with him on that. I, I once went on a jog at like three o'clock in the morning. And it was like the best jog ever. So three o'clock in the morning. I don't like running in the dark. It like I get this weird thing that someone's like following me and I end up doing like a sprint instead. I was actually it was it was for um a radio show that I was doing. Cause we were it, I think the, the show was about like um Ramadan. So like how Muslims will um still train and go to the gym and one of the times we was thinking was after you've eaten 
So at three in the morning or whatever. God, it was so nice. I mean, it was June, mind you. <laughs> and just going for a jog around. I don't even know where that. I don't even know where we was that day. It was just somewhere in the middle of nowhere, just going for a jog. And then it was really, really cool. And there was nobody on the streets. It was nobody there. Yeah, but if you do see anybody on the streets, they're probably not someone you want to bump into, unless they're jogging, I guess. I guess. Well, I'm I'm a six foot tall black man, so chances of people wanting to bump into me in the streets is uh, very, very unlikely. I have to like remind, obviously, you know, mums will be going, "Oh, don't," you know. I was like, "Trust me, people cross the road sometimes if I'm walking at night. People will literally cross the road if I'm walking." Like I'm gonna do something. Anyway, yeah. So the episode starts with Kid and Play, and they're trying to promote their next gig. But uh, me and Machine keep lurking around trying to sabotage, and they keep taking the posters down. So Kid and Play keep going to the printing posters to, uh, you know, for their gig. And obviously, the guy in the shop was like, "Oh, okay, fine, fine. You know, you guys can keep printing. You guys are good kids, and I like you guys." And there's um, Terry, who I think is uh, Play's little sister. She's uh, trying to help, but she's been really, really useless. And so she goes, you know what? Fine, I'm going to show them by helping them. And so what she does is she sprays Kid and Play's concert details on the wall. But one of her friends says, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Because we find out that what she's spraying on is a synagogue. And so... She's spraying it on the synagogue, and the boy goes, "You mad? That's a synagogue." She's like, "What's a synagogue?" She goes, and he's like, "Oh, it's a place where Jewish people pray and they go to worship." And after she went, "Oh, snap!" So she tries to remove where it says "kill and play" on the graffiti so that um, it won't go back to them. And meanwhile play he wants to try and stop acorn and pitbull who are from me machine for good he's like right i'm sick and tired of these guys with their plotting and their scheming so they're watching the tv watching the tv and it turns out the guy who was in charge of the shop mr eugene meyer he's doing an interview and he's jewish and he's going oh why would someone want to do this to the synagogue it's really sad he feels really sad about it and you know, obviously, Kid and Player like, oh, we like Mr. Meyer. He's such a nice guy. He's always good to us. He's always been a really, really nice guy. And so Player's like, you know what? I bet Acorn and Pitbull did it. And they're part of Meme Machine. And they're like, you know what? Right, for our concert, we're going to donate the money and we're going to, you know, put the synagogue right and we're going to remove the um, graffiti. And so they're spying on Acorn and Pitbull. And Terry's feeling really, really bad. So she goes to Mr. Meyer. And this is like the scene between Terry and Mr. Meyer is just, it's actually got me really emotional because he's basically talking to her about hate crimes. And because obviously she's like, oh, what's a hate crime? And obviously he's saying sometimes people might not like you because of who you are or what you are. And he was saying that there might be some people in the world who might not like Jewish people for some reason. 
And obviously Terry's going, oh, is it like how, how someone might not like me because I'm black? And he's saying, yeah. And, and that is when they're kind of discussing that. And I've, I was getting really emotional. And because obviously she's feeling horrible about it because obviously Mr. Meyer is like someone in the neighborhood, in the community, is in the shop or whatever. And so he's basically saying, look, sometimes people do that and it's not right but we have to you know stick together and things like that and she's like crying going look i don't hate you mr meyer i i don't i don't and she kind of runs out of the shop and mr meyer is thinking hmm, what's 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 the, what's that all about it's quite strange and so play calls the police on acorn and pitbull and acorn and pitbull are like what do you mean spray painting the synagogue we don't we don't do graffiti we're just painting our color like the color of the car blue and so terry she confesses to mr meyer and obviously it's a big misunderstanding big mistake she's saying obviously it's not a hate crime what i did and it was just something like that plays furious because he doesn't like acorn on pitbull and he's thinking that this was a, a great opportunity for me to land a minute once and for all and yeah the mystery is solved and play says sorry to Acorn and Pitbull and Acorn is suggesting right let's go and we'll um, paint over the graffiti thing on the synagogue and they're working back on that and then Mr. Meyer he gives Terry a hug and he's saying you know it's all it's all okay and yeah this was such a an endearing episode really endearing moment I was like getting all emotional watching that I just thought yeah this was this was a, it kind of it really saved the show for me. This sounds like I probably should have watched this episode to make, you know, uh, because I feel like, you know, the two episodes can't even compare to each other in terms of, you know, the content and what's actually going on. No, the, the, the this episode was just, it was really good. It was a really good lesson as well. Because obviously you're le- the, the, she's learning about what is a hate crime and then obviously she kind of goes back to herself saying, oh, okay, it might be a reason why someone might not like me because I'm black. Someone might not like you because you're Jewish. And it was the way they were just kind of explaining it. It was just it was just really nice interaction between the two of them. And it was kind of like the way they would kind of swap stories in that, in that respect. And I thought it was brilliantly done, brilliantly done. And it was something that kind of, it was, yeah, like I said, it was really, really endearing. And it kind of really, brought the show into a new light for me because maybe I was thinking it wasn't particularly great but then I watched that episode and I thought this kind of really swung it to the point of where I'm thinking yeah this is a really really good good cartoon and perhaps it was unlucky that it didn't really get anything resembling a run right let's uh last but not least the boom crew so this show came out in September 2004 and some of the things happening in the world. Former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher posted a 2 million rand bond for her son. Mark Thatcher, who was under house arrest in Cape Town for allegedly funding a coup plot in Equatorial Guinea. The X Factor makes its worldwide debut, premiering for the first time in the UK and will later go on to become the biggest show in television history. What a force for good they are. 
Costa Rica asked the US to remove it from the list of Iraq coalition partners. Shark Tale was in the cinemas. And My Place by Nelly and Jaheem was number one in the charts. This was a really good Nelly song. I don't think I know this one. But you know Nelly, right? Yeah. Um, so um, we're going on now to The Boom Crew. So this was a Canadian-American children's TV series produced by Berliner Film Company in association with Jambalaya Studios in Los Angeles, California. It was unusual for an animated series as it was cancelled after only four episodes due to low ratings and negative viewer reception. It's about four kids who create a video game about heroes going up against space alien terrorists and suddenly a portal appears and pulls them into a dimension which is really similar to their game. Foster kids, huh? That explains a lot. The show also details their adventures in this parallel world as they embark on a quest to find their missing video game cartridges and stop the sadistic extraterrestrial Emperor Zork from taking control of this intergalactic dimensions. Some of the characters. So there was Justin, who was the leader and general of the Q of the crew, who wears shoulder pads and elbow pads. Nate, who's the gang's ship pilot and uh, Justin's younger brother. Jubai, who's a hoverboard rider. Ricky, who's a whiz kid gadget creator. And together they form the Boom Squad. And there's Dent, who's a sentient sentient robot, which has been given to Ricky as a gift. Great Commander Blurp, who's a former war commander of Yo Diggity in the war against Zork. Zork, who wishes to conquer the galaxy by gathering the boom cards. Headlock, who is a cohort of Zork. And Hetra, who is Headlock's evil older sister. Right, let's uh, talk about this show and let's try and see and why, how and why, if you can make sense, why this show was cancelled after four episodes. I was watching the... Uh, so I, I actually started reading some reviews about this show and they weren't good, the reviews on this show. Um, Read them. Some quite, quite scathing ones as well. And I was like, damn it, this show is really good. I mean... Huh? I loved this show. What? I thought it was, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, In what way was this show brilliant? It had everything. It had like lasers and guns and aliens and like kids doing a little adventure. Um the plots were fairly simple. Um I yeah, I I thought this was a great cartoon and I had a lot of fun watching it. Read some of the scathing reviews. Do you want me to read them now? Yes. Now. I've got to find some. What was it called? The Boom Crew. You just said you read some scathing reviews of this previous. Yeah, I know. As in, I read them. Oh, here we go. The zero uh, user vote. Not only is the concept of this show a plot hole, with how the kids don't seem to know anything about the game they made. (laughs) 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 But you really can't understand. Anyone is saying due to the fact they all speak either incomprehensible slang or in one case techno babble that they made up. Yeah, I can see that. Let me find some see if I can find some more 
Um, I can't find any uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Here we go. They got like what five Rotten Tomatoes. There are no critics reviews yet for season one. Keep checking Rotten Tomatoes for updates. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna update. It. Um. Anyway, so I was yeah I was reading something. They weren't they weren't good. I read there were a couple of good ones though. Um. Let's, let's see if we can find the good ones that I found. Um. Written by Wall Pick. <laughs> um. I like this show. I like this show because it has it's cool music and intro for for it. I will say the, the theme song is really good. Yeah, it says it was dope. I it like was the best show I have ever seen. Whoa. Um, when I first tried the show, I felt like cringing, but when I tried it again, I instantly fell in love with the show. It looks cool, but the ratings were low, so everybody hated on the show um, more than Esther Roll hated Jimmy Walker's character on The Good Times. I, I don't get that reference, but uh, it looks like it was just proud family, but so I don't know. Anyway, um, one review just says, I can't understand why this underrated show gets so much hate. Um, so there are, you know, there's there's a couple of mixed ones in there, but yeah, mixed. I generally, re- as in, there's a couple of good ones. Yeah, really a couple horrible. and mostly bad. That's not mixed. Well, you can say it's not all the same. So then it's mixed. <laughs> I mean, I'm sticking up for this show because I actually like genuinely really liked it. I enjoyed it, and it wasn't like totally totally serious, you know. So it was a bit funny. Uh, the bad guy kind of reminded me of. Um, the great Emperor Zorg from uh, uh, Toy Story. Um, yeah, and yeah, it was a little bit funny. It was like, it was quite cool. You know, lasers and gadgets and and yeah. Um, one thing I quite liked is they're looking for cartridges, which haven't been in games since like early 90s. Um, but yeah, I mean, that aside, it was quite cool. You killed my father. No. I am your father. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, it's amazing. Okay, Toy stories too. So, I mean, you know how you felt about Kid and Play. I almost felt the same way about the Boom Crew because I didn't get this show. I did not get it. I'm like, what the hell are these kids doing on some planet? Why isn't their aim trying to get out of this planet? Why are you going to be in this space thing forever and ever? Don't you have homes to go to? And obviously, I didn't know they were foster kids. So I'm like, don't you, don't y'all have parents? We are doing out in the middle of it's this. It's quite uh... dark, and they don't like their foster parents or something. Well, no, um, they've been sucked into this game, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, the first episode, I was like, is this the start of it really? Because it literally starts slap bang in the middle of an episode. Yeah, and I'm like, what the hell's going on? Um, and then I thought, I thought, I was like, oh, maybe it's one of those things where it, it's going to tell you about what's going on in the theme tune. That was my bet, and it did. It did. It yeah, did yeah, yeah. To be fair, they they kind of spoke about all of that. Like I said, the best thing about this show was the theme song. Everything else was pretty much, yeah. I wasn't particularly crazy about this show. I only watched two episodes. Well, I intended to watch three, but the third episode was blocked on YouTube. And I was like thinking, right, if this show's good, then I'm going to watch another episode. And I was like, nope, I'm just going to watch what I, I'm going to oblige myself to kind of watch. 
So I watched one, oh, sorry, two as well. So I'm guessing we probably watched maybe the same episodes. Dropping the bomb. So, yeah, it starts with Justin and Nate. They're trying to get some, obviously, they're all playing some game. They're stuck in that world. And they're trying to stop a arachnobot. Zork isn't happy and he wants the kids gone. And he wants, I wrote, energy discs. But it's cartridges. And he wants the entire galaxy to kneel at his feet. They end up on some random planet fighting a monster. And their aim is to collect boom cards. And they meet, I think they meet, what's his name? Blurp. Commander Blurp. And they um, they meet him and he might help them to find what they're looking for. They run into Headlock, who's one of the baddies, and they have to fight his snail robots. They get the disc and they tie up Headlock. And the real commander blurp his back because I think he was cursed into thinking that he would be scared of everything. But he ain't so scared anymore. And obviously Zork's like, I would have got away with it if it weren't for these meddling kids. I'll get them one day. And so, yeah, they... Um, I think Blurp gives them an award for saving the day and saving planet Yo Diggity. Yeah, it's like the Star Wars. Um, it's like the kind of like the Star Wars uh, ceremony from Episode One uh, Four. Yep. And so Jubai gets a cool skateboard. Ricky gets a robot called Dent. Nate gets a better sword than what he has, and Justin gets a proper ship as captain. And yeah, I just draw like because obviously I think one of the one of the criticisms I had of this show was they kept using hip hop language to try and force that this show is cool, and I'm just like, don't do that. Like just yeah. just talk normally. Just do make this a normal cartoon and trust that kids will like it anyway. Be like, oh, oh man, this is a a dope sword. Oh, this this ride is fat. This this is yeah, all and that. that. It's like stop talking like that. You don't have to kind of force it. Like kids aren't gonna like gravitate to this particular show because they're talking in a certain way. They're gonna gravitate to it because it's good. As a kid, yeah. I'm not gonna watch a program just because someone goes, Oh yo, homie, yo. If it's crap, I'm not going to watch it. Simple as that. Yeah, I think they they did the same with the surfer guy as well. The kind of like um where he's like wipe out and this and that, you know, Hang like proper ten surfer. dudes. Yeah, exactly. So they, yeah, that that I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. But just it's one of those where just make a cartoon, put it out there, trust that people will like it. Because I can, I if I watched the pilot of this episode, I wouldn't go back and watch it again. I wouldn't. Like it's it was it was very off putting, and even as a kid, you're kids are going to sense that like don't insult the intelligence of kids by thinking oh i'm just going to put some slang and yo what's up man how's it hanging yo yo and kids are going to see through that especially more now than maybe when we were growing up so in that respect i'm thinking like don't don't do that don't don't do that so uh, talk about your episode so this episode is actually quite good. It's called Statute of Limitations, or maybe Statue of Limitations. Um, and I, got, I kept getting mixed up here because I kept wanting to call things aliens, 
but this is where they live so they're, they're not actually aliens um so in a barren land there's a native being said please help me and the barren land was once good kind of thing it was a lush land and everything and zorg is mad with with the henchmen because they've collected too many because the kids have collected too many um uh cartridges so he brings in a new henchman but you don't actually see who that is um kind of like a shadow comes in and um so then the, the goodies are taking like um some some this little thing to um so can you take the offering to the statue because i can't get there or whatever so they, they need to take this offering of food to the big statue kind of like a pagan thing if i give this food away then maybe they'll give me more um um and so they go up to the big statue thing and they go through the oh sorry i missed a bit um so they go to the desert and these big scorpions come and they fight them but end up running away to the huge statue thing and they go to the huge door at the base of the statue and they kind of get chased they scorpions come in and they kind of get chased to the thing but there's a, there's a girl at the top and ricky is like instantly like i don't like you kind of thing i don't i can't explain it but i don't like you and and she's like oh, i'm a new girl and all the guys think she's cool and um they think that rick's being jealous and they get to the top and it looks like she may be the baddie that Zorg hired. That's my thought on that moment. And um, Ricky and the new girl get to the top uh, because they get separated from the boys. The boys go up by the outside, but they go up by the inside. Um, and there's these weird flying bugs things outside. Uh, and they're in trouble, so they start fighting them. The new girl is whispering in Rick's ears that the guy's bailed on her. She's kind of given her the, the whole, oh, they've bailed on you. They've left you. Look how bad they are. Nate gets caught by the flying thing but manages to get the boom card because it's in the nest of these things so these things capture him take him to the nest uh but the boom card is actually in the in the nest so that's like happy days then they go back to the roof of the um they go back to the roof of the uh statue and the new girl makes rick stand on the ledge um she's a shapeshifter she jumps over the gap and leaves rick behind she kind of like doesn't throw the rope back to her and when she gets to the top she's actually rick so she's shapeshifted into rick and then they hold have to do the whole who's the real rick because rick managed to get up and she's like oh who's the real rick and and the test was they said what is this and like oh and she goes that's a hammer of course it's a hammer and then she goes oh no it's not just a hammer it's a bloody 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 hammer and they're like okay you're the baddie kind of thing um, and then, so they kind of have this like battle again, and they kind of like go. They they're flying this uh, flying creature thing, and they're going around the legs of the big statue because Rick's using the statue as like a big robot, and it's kind of like you know Star Wars episode. I've used Star Wars a lot in this podcast, but Star Wars episode five where they're uh, in um, Hoth and they go around the um, ATAT Walker's legs and they take it down. Um, so the kind of same thing there. Um, the robots retreat and they're like oh my god let's go and the baddies like go back to their thing and the boom car goes in the land becomes lush and then they have to sweep up the mess they made because they accidentally smashed up people's houses <laughs> good stuff good stuff the last episode i watched was called the crimson raider and so commander blurp he's part of this mission with the crew and they're going to an ocean planet yeah, I wrote. I literally wrote hip-hop language too much, trying to force it to be cool. And the ship ends up underwater. And so Blurp is talking about his brother Blaz, or Blaze. 
and he's talking about how Blase disobeyed orders and he destroyed all the ships once upon a time, but no one's heard of him since. And he was talking about how he may have been killed by the Crimson Raider. And the boom crew are offering to help Blurp. So they're like, you know what? We're going to get our cartridges and we're going to try and figure out the... We're going to get to the bottom of your um, story about your brother. And Blurp is talking about how he didn't like his brother growing up because he was so good at everything. And Ricky, she's fixing the tracker to find where the card is and they're getting closer. The Crimson Raider is blocking their path to the card. But Blurp goes after the Raider as an act of revenge. And so Blurp challenges to duel the Crimson Raider. And the Crimson Raider ends up with the disc or the cartridge and tries to get away. Turns out that they were inside a shark all along and not underwater. And so Commander Blurp ends up getting the disc and prizing it from the Crimson Raider. And the boom crew, they end up taking the disc and getting out of there. The The ocean planet seems to be in trouble. And Blurp is trying to save the Crimson Raider from going under and try to save his life. But to no avail. And the Crimson Raider's glove drops on the floor. And a ring fell from under the Raider's, the, the um, Crimson Raider's jacket. And it turns out it was Blurp's brother's ring. So this was actually not that bad of an episode. I, In a kind of isolated sort of thing, I actually quite liked this episode. But yeah, there you go. That was uh, the Boom Crew. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a few bits not to like in it of this show. But I think the actual content of the show and how the episodes went, I thought it was really cool. Really cool. Like, it's like a nice fast pace. It was actually... It wasn't fast pace um, at all. I found this difficult to watch, if anything. Yeah, see, I found this good. I've watched this first and I watched it and I like this show. And then as soon as I put on the other one, I didn't like it. I mean, is there any point in doing our choosing today? Because I think, <laughs> I think it's a one-all. Let's keep it... Well, we have to, yeah, let's 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 do it for the sake of it, all right? And now we choose. So, producer Paul, who are you choosing? I I'm choosing uh, the Boom Crew as my winner for this one to one. I didn't. I I thought it was easier to watch than um, uh, Kid and Play. I thought Kid and Play was just. I I think it would have been more successful show if it was live action. To be honest. Not surprising, but yeah, I'm going to choose Kid and Play because of the episode Say It, Don't Spray It. I would definitely recommend you guys go out and watch that. I think it's something to show little kids as well. So if you wanted to teach them about how hate crimes work and how they are very much a thing, I think it's one of those where it's a good lesson episode. Like it's one of those where you can teach a lesson teachable moment that's what i was trying to say but no this yeah and that kind of really saved the show for me and it kind of really put it on a on a level where i thought yeah this was really really good i thoroughly enjoyed it i thought it was very very fun and yeah i that's the show i'm going to go for and uh on that on that note i think uh going to bring the Black History Month 
yesterday's capers to an end. And um, apparently uh, Michael B. Jordan is going to be playing Static Shock. I think they're going to do a film of it. And I think Michael B. Jordan's going to be Static Shock. If you guys remember, we did an episode on Static Shock. Obviously, if you're a new listener and you loved Static Shock, you can go back and you can go find the episode where we talked about that brilliant, brilliant show. And yeah, I can't wait for the film, actually. I'm actually looking forward to it and I will actually go and watch it because loved Static Shock, the cartoon. I thought it was excellent. Yeah, agreed. It was a really, really good show. That was the one with the um, the uh, the the white guy that was his sidekick, right? Yeah, yeah. It was a great show. Yeah, it was really, really good. There were some really good episodes on that show, and also as well as Static Shock, you can find Yesterday's Capers wherever you get your podcast from. Talking about episodes of that nature. So give us a listen, give us a like, subscribe, do all of those things. Keep on supporting. We always appreciate it. Also, Yesterday's Capers is available on YouTube, but maybe wait until the episode drops because YouTube bugs out with the music and it might take it out. But if it does that, then, yeah, you can just go on um regular podcast platforms so you can find the episodes there on the socials we're on instagram at yesterday's capers one on twitter it's yesterday capers on facebook it's facebook.com full slash yesterday's capers you can find me on the socials on instagram at abdullah underscore molim and you can find me on twitter at abdullah molim all one word give me a holler give me a shout And join us next week for the Halloween episode of Yesterday's Capers.